Welcome to Tech Talk Nation, talking about the latest tech, industry news, and hot topics. Broadcasting from Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. With your host, Matthew Fitzgerald. Good evening and welcome to Tech Talk Nation. I'm Matt Fitzgerald, your host for today's show. And it has been a wonderful week in technology. Um, I'm here by myself today. I'm not sure why uh, Nate's not here today. But nonetheless, it's still going to be a great show and we are going to get a lot done today. So... It has been a great week in technology. A lot of interesting things happening. And if you tuned into Thursday's broadcast, you'd know a lot about some of the interesting uh, stock market trends recently, too, especially with Tesla and the uh, filing of suit against uh, Elon Musk, possibly um, that could result in Tesla's stock plummeting. So without further ado, let's get right in it, into it. So, one of the first cool articles that I saw for this week is that, uh, excuse me one sec, Uh, nearly a quarter of U.S. households now own a smart speaker, and I got this off The Verge, which is really interesting to see. Um, So that'd be like an Alexa, some form of Google speaker, but it's any one of those speakers where you have some sort of assistant that will actually, like answer questions, do stuff like that, and have a kind of make your life easier. Um, I know that myself, I have an Alexa in my, in my room that I use to control lights and things like that. It's, it's really helpful. Uh, one of the interesting things that I've seen about this is it says 24% of U.S. households owning a smart speaker, 40% of those households own multiple speakers, according to Nielsen. And in case you don't know, Nielsen is kind of like the TV um, general consumer research group. Um, So they kind of produce ratings for TV shows and different forms of research for uh, industry experts to use. So that's good. That's interesting to see because 24% of U.S. households own some form of smart speaker and 40% own multiple. So that means you have one in one room, one in another room. And that's, that's really interesting because I know in in my house, we have an Alexa in my room and then we have one in the kitchen. So we can actually kind of in the center of the home, uh, talk to it, get to know what's going on there. Uh, Additionally, one of the interesting things that we have uh, noticed too is these things are fantastic. They make your life so much easier. Like you could ask it to schedule events on your calendar and it'll just do it. It's, it's great because especially when you don't have a phone around, there is a lot of cool things to do. So, uh, additionally in the article, it says a lot of the people use uh, smart speakers to listen to music. 
Uh, so like 90% of people listen to music on their smart speaker. Additionally, uh, they search for real-time information like weather or traffic. I know myself, uh, when I get up in the morning, I, I always kind of ask like, hey Alexa, what's the temperature out? So I know how to dress that day. So I don't want to uh, go outside in a full winter jacket when it's 95 out. That's probably not the uh, best idea, similar to how I wound up today. Um, some of the other cool things uh, that you can do with a smart speaker that people have rated in the survey are searching for factual information like trivia or history and any form of cool info such as that. Additionally, people like to listen to the news on there. Um, and people are also chatting with a voice assistant for fun. So like, like kind of uh, spamming siri or alexa or any of those virtual assistants that can help you just kind of having a good time spamming a little bit uh just in general being pretty cool about it and finally uh 68 of people use their smart speaker to uh go through alarms and timers so this is really interesting too um I know I use my speaker to kind of set alarms when, when especially I, it's especially important that I get up. Like my phone will get me up, but um, I'll set an alarm for on the smart speaker that I literally have to get up and push a button on it uh, because it's on the other side of my room. So it's a little easier to do that. Um, and it is really helpful. And... That is kind of kind of the gist of this article. It was it was really interesting to kind of see all of this different uh, use cases um, as we can kind of see. So here's here's an interesting article to uh, go off of what we were talking on Thursday. So on Thursday, uh, Ryan and I were actually talking about. Uh, the Tesla stock price dipping because of the newfound charges against Elon Musk for fraud by the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission. And this article on The Verge talks about how Elon Musk is now forced to step down as chairman of Tesla, but remains the CEO. And it's kind of interesting, too, to kind of discuss the difference between uh, chairman and a CEO. So a CEO is the person who's actually in charge of running day-to-day -day operations. And a chairman is somebody who owns the company and has a majority voting right in the future of the company. So in a way, uh, Elon Musk is making himself still, he's still very powerful. This, this article goes into a little too much fear-mongering, in my opinion. Um, but I feel like this is this is was expected because it says Elon Musk reached a settlement with the SEC on the charges filed earlier this week. Um, Musk will have to step down as the chairman of Tesla within 45 days and will not be able to take the role with the company for three years. He will remain Tesla's CEO during that time. So. In the settlement, they charged Tesla with failing to have required disclosure controls and procedures relating to Musk's tweets, which is another interesting fact because now you can see the Securities and Exchange Commission getting in on social media. And while that may not seem inherently related, they, they are uh, because the, the things you post on social media affects how stocks trade. And this is really, really 
prevalent with the uh, with Elon Musk and the way that he has kind of uh, gotten everything worked out on that. Um, additionally, they both have to pay twenty million dollars fine. $20 million fines that will be, quote, distributed to harm investors under a court-approved process, which is interesting. A lot of, that's a lot of money for somebody like you and I, but Elon Musk helped found PayPal, so uh, maybe um, that's a little, a little different. <laughs> so, with that, I will uh, go and find another article uh, to talk about today. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Some of the interesting things that actually, um, uh, other things that happened is California just became one of the first states with an Internet of Things cybersecurity law. That's really interesting. So, in case you don't know what Internet of Things are, uh, Internet of Things is connecting every single thing you own to the Internet in some way, shape, or form, whether that be a coffee maker or a toaster or some sort of kitchen appliance or a light bulb or something like that, basically making all of these devices talk to each other. And cybersecurity is allowing the protection of those devices. So cybersecurity protects those devices from being hacked, misused, all of those different um, ways that um, devices are misused, cybersecurity prevents that. But in, it's interesting here because this is a full law on the books. Most of these things were just um, in the past, like you aren't supposed to access systems that you don't have permission to. But uh, today... Um, it says, on January 1st, 2020, a manufacturer of the of a device that connects directly or indirectly to the internet must equip it with reasonable security features, in quotes, designed to prevent unauthorized access, modification, or information disclosure. It can be accessed outside a local area network with a password. It needs to come with a unique password for each device or force users to set their own password the first time they connect to it. it means no more gem generic default credentials. This is really interesting, too, because this shows where our society is heading as we get more and more Internet of Things coming up and more and more stuff that is getting connected to the Internet. It's a good idea to start making these laws to prevent uh, unauthorized data breaches or uh, privacy issues from actually um, ruining what's going on. In addition to that, it is good because there's... As these devices gain more and more and more popularity, there's more and more holes to break into. There's more areas that they need better, um, like security in some area or, or whatever. Uh, but you have to actually um, find those guys out. So, without... Oh, there we go. I forgot to trigger the music today. Um, I, I thought I was missing something. But, um, nonetheless, this is, this is really interesting. And, uh, if you are interested in any form of cybersecurity law, this is an article for you.
So, um, I'm trying to find some other articles that aren't as bad here. That really, that really are interesting. Um, so I'm on CNET right now, browsing their their tech news, and here we go. This is this is a good, this is a good article right here. It's been 10 years since the first release of Android, and in case you don't know what Android is, Android is a popular uh, operating system for web for phones. Um, so a lot of people who have Apple products have iOS. And pretty much the entire majority of everybody who doesn't have an iPhone has an Android phone. Um, so with that, one of the one of the uh, articles here on CNET is talking about the first phone that they ever released for with running Android, and kind of see like where we where we come from there, which is really cool. Um, it's a decade old, and the first Android phone was the T-Mobile G1, also called the HTC Dream. And back then, people still used flip phones, uh, and the iPhone was just getting started. And BlackBerry, Palm, and Microsoft were all the big players in the phone market at that time. Um, and interestingly, it it's about it's a very very thick phone. Like uh, imagine stacking about four iPhones on top of each other. That's about how thick. Um, this this first Android phone was. Interestingly enough, too, it actually has a uh, it has a like flip screen to where you have a keyboard that you can type on. And from that, it's uh, interesting because it's that's an odd design. But here's here's the interesting part too. It's not the entire front of the phone that actually flips up. It's only the actual screen part of the phone. So you still have this this. Uh, kind of area of buttons below the phone uh, that's still at normal level where the screen would be whether it's in front of it or not and this article's joking about uh, calling it a phone with a chin and I think it's quite funny uh, considering uh, <laughs> that today this would be considered completely uh, different in the uh, and would never sell in the market we have um, interesting too, it says this is a touch screen, um, and this is not very good of a touch screen, but it, it works. And it has a physical keyboard too, which is, which is really interesting and good for, especially people who like that. Like my first phone had a physical keyboard, which was, which was really nice and easy to use. Some of the features that Android 1.0 had, uh, Bluetooth, stereo speakers, um, visual voicemail, um, some very interesting features that basically um, came out of this phone. Going off of that too, uh, the, the uh, G1 actually was a phone that believe it or not, did not have a standard headphone jack, which is interesting because today we get into a, uh, we're in a society where everything's starting to go wireless, everything's kind of getting away from the traditional plug it in, uh, you just have to sync them up to each other, but with this, this, is, this was a phone from 2008, and if they ditched a headphone jack already, that's way ahead of the curve. 
uh, especially by today's standards. And that that's interesting because in today's world, I know I'm a very, very big proponent of having an actual physical headphone jack, considering I'm broadcasting in a radio station right now where we have a massive mixer here with uh, 24 channels of pure, unwireless, wired um, sound. It's probably a good idea to keep that around, at least for um, the immediate future. Another interesting thing is it has a 3.2 megapixel camera, and that was considered actually quite high-end in 2008. And the interesting thing is my camera now has a 20 megapixel camera on the back of it. And in case you don't know what a megapixel is, a megapixel is the number of pixels in a phone times 100. So that is uh, a lot of, like, the physical... Um, sensors on your phone that can detect that a picture is there. So you want more megapixels for better, better quality pictures because the more sensors you have, the better your pictures wind up being. In addition to that, they have a micro SD card slot, which allows for expandable storage up to eight gigabytes. And in case you don't know what a micro SD card is, it's a tiny little uh, expandable card that you can add a, um, add all sorts of storage on such as a uh, like pictures videos um, music any of that you could store on there and an interesting difference is between the iPhone of that time and this new and this well quite old Android phone is the fact that the <laughs> an iPhone doesn't have any form of expandable storage you you're, you're stuck with whatever you get but with an Android phone you could pop in an extra amount of storage and you're good to go you're you are fine um, and last week we were talking about more of the uh, other issues of getting um, more um, kind of blank for a second uh, getting more um, storage on a phone so yeah so in, in kind of conclusion for this article, uh, it seems like the G1 was a fantastic phone for what, for what it did. Uh, considering it was 2008, the first release of an Android phone, and it was the direct competitor to an iPhone, it did pretty well. I mean, granted, it didn't have a unibody design, kind of like that phone, the iPhone did, where it was just one solid touchscreen type thing. Uh, but it's... It was, it's pretty good. I, I wouldn't, I, if I were in 2008 and I got that, I'd be pretty content. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and take a little bit of a break and be right back with more Tech Talk Nation. You're listening to Tech Talk Nation. Tech Talk Nation will be right back. Tech Talk Nation is brought to you by Fitzgerald Tech Solutions. We live in the digital world. Everyone is on the internet at least once a day. It is commonplace for every business, individual, and organization to have a website. You need a website to stay competitive. At Fitzgerald Tech Solutions, we provide you with everything you need for your internet presence. Whether you want to take the more DIY approach by buying web hosting services on our fast, US-based servers with industry-leading software, 
or allowing us to do the web designing and multimedia creation services for you. You can know that you are getting high-quality, reliable, and cost-effective services that you need to stay ahead in the market. Fitzgerald Tech Solutions fits your timeline. We work efficiently to make sure that you get what you want as soon as possible. Fitzgerald Tech Solutions fits your needs. Whether you are someone looking to get your own website or a large company looking for a fresh look, we can amaze you with our skills and expertise. Fitzgerald Tech Solutions fits your budget. We make sure that great websites don't break the bank and will not stop until you are 100% satisfied. Fitzgerald Tech Solutions. Tech. We get it. You're listening to Wiley Radio. Welcome back. Thanks for joining with us after that long break. So, um, we're going to jump right back into it and get right into um, what's going on in tech more than we did before the break. Uh, found some interesting articles, too. Uh, about This first one I actually found is NASA about NASA. NASA turns 60. 60 years old. It's an old old organization and it's kind of talking about how um, they're kind of pivoting a little bit um, to go more toward like the SpaceX era. In case you don't know what SpaceX is, is they're a large privately funded, also Elon Musk, ironically, um, space agency. So they can launch rockets, they can do all sorts of engineering for their own stuff instead of NASA taking care of it. So they're trying to commercialize space in a way. So one of the interesting things is um, hopefully the, um, it says here, we're going to be launching American astronauts on American rockets from American soil for the first time since 2011, which is insane. Uh, people believe that in the next 40 years, we're going to, we're going to be able to t go to Mars um, and also kind of figuring out ways to capitalize on space, figuring out how can we alleviate some of the problems that we are facing on Earth by using the resources that we have in space. Additionally, uh, people are trying to capitalize on the ways that we're paying to go on vacations. People want to take space vacations and uh, could be a way that people kind of um, go goes to space and uh, actually um, goes up there. So it's kind of, it was really interesting because this article explains how um, as NASA's getting older and adjusting to a new market, they're going to have to change the way they do things and how they're, they're um, 
doing all of the the training they do and all that stuff. So, yeah. So, NASA has a taxpayer annual budget of around $20 billion. Uh, but each commercial launch to the space station by SpaceX or Northrop Grumman costs $191 million on average, which is insane. And it says here, by contrast, each space shuttle launch costs NASA over $1 billion. But that's a bit of an apples and orange comparison between manned shuttles and unmanned cargo capsules. Because you want to keep people safe as opposed to cargo. You don't really, worst case scenario, you lose the cargo, but you don't want to lose lives. And it's it's pretty interesting to, to uh, kind of go over a quick, quick plan for, um, like, the how people could eventually one day either live in space or um, either, like, go up in space on vacation or just kind of commercialize in space more so than nowadays. So that's all kind of about NASA. It's an interesting article to see that uh, NASA turns 60 years old. Happy birthday, NASA. Moving on, there is another issue out of actually Seattle. Um, a school wants to implement facial recognition, uh, and people are concerned about the privacy of that. And in case you don't know what facial recognition is, basically they put your face in front of a camera and it determines who you are. Um, so it says it's in use at a private elementary university child development school. School gave the parents an option of handing their face into the database and about 300 parents have done so. If a parent's face is recognized by the system, the door opens, reducing the need for someone inside the school to answer a buzzer. Um, people say it feels it's convenient and feels safe, but people say school security is a serious issue and we shouldn't leave that in the hands of machines. Now, I'm not sure how I really feel on that one because this is such a complex issue that there are so many moving parts because you have to worry about laws regarding protecting children at school. You have to worry about laws protecting parent people as well um, and privacy laws associated with that. And as coming from a, a university, uh, there's actually a team that is developing this as well at, at Purdue. Um, but nonetheless, it is pretty cool to see that we are using technology in more of an interesting way now um yeah so um that's kind of what i have um on that story in case anybody else is interested shoot me a text shoot me an email whatever uh, i'd love to talk about it another interesting thing is the way that we browse the web and this next article i have is how the new domain names that they're releasing are looking to change that. So in case you don't know, a domain name is this, the uh, actual address you go to a website like google.com or in our case techtalknation.com and uh, the top level domain or TLD for short is com or net or org or any of those those uh, extensions on, onto a name. And a new one of those is .tech. And 
that's actually becoming more and more popular today as a lot of startups are trying to differentiate themselves. Since dot-com has been around for a very, very, very long time, a lot of the good names are taken, but on dot-tech, a lot of the good names aren't taken. Um, and it's, it's interesting because um, it, it's, you can get a better name, like domain name, and you can kind of show more of a brand identity rather than just keeping a .com or .net. The only issue with that is the fact that people don't really know it exists, so they're not going to want to type in something like that. You have to target a certain market by having this domain name because that way you can actually have who's going on the, uh, the site know what you're talking about. Like somebody um, would be... Uh, who isn't really good with technology wouldn't know why to type in a dot tech instead of a dot com or they would put something like the domain name tech.com instead of typing dot tech uh, which is really interesting so um, yeah so it's I'm as I'm looking through this article um, there's a lot of dot tech domains that are uh, like, um, like, like venture capitalist firms are doing dot tech now for tech startups, and um, and yeah, the interesting thing too is uh, from search engine points of view, you can actually get better um, search rankings by having a dot tech domain. New domain endings are not treated any differently than traditional domain endings, but domain endings are shown in search more. Uh, it, but here's the thing. You can have one single domain name with a better name that'll show up for different searches than something that's much longer and harder to pronounce. Um, it adds a layer of meaning to and relevance to your website address, uh, which is in interesting. So like... Um, it's generic. It's non-generic. It adds more of a more of a uh, a real name to it. Um, but that's um, that's about it. And that's kind of all the time I have for tonight. Um, I am going to be back at this hopefully on Friday. Um, tune in at 7 p.m. to listen to more Tech Talk Nation. Uh, and I will be here hopefully with Ryan to discuss more of the most recent news in tech and other cool things. So with that, I'd like to thank you for listening today. Hope to, hope to hear you back next week. And if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please let me know. Visit our website at www.techtalknation.com and make sure to leave a comment on uh, our form. If you're interested in coming on the show or calling in as a guest, there is also a form there for you. If you want to call in and talk about tech, we are more than happy to hear from you. Fill out the form and we would be happy to consider it. So with that, this is Matt signing off and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Tech Talk Nation. Tune in next week for more discussion on the latest in tech.
visit our website at www.techtalknation.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Nation. Tune in next week for more discussion on the latest in tech.